You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Today, we're going to be talking about books of knowledge, bodies of knowledge around agile and project management. So joining me here today are Kevin Brennan. He's a consultant in business architecture and product management. And Bob Galen, who's a consultant and has been an agile coach for uh, over 20 years. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. So so the impetus for this uh, podcast was uh, an exchange I had seen that you guys had uh, had on a conversation on some article somewhere on the internet, but it, it caught my eye that you both kind of were coming at the idea of a Bach kind of from a little bit of different perspectives. Uh, and we were talking just beforehand, uh, Kevin, about how uh, how uh, Agile is not really evolving and it's kind of a fairly well-defined concept. So perhaps this would be a good thing for Agile. Uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. And, you know, I know that that's going to be a contentious thing to say because I know a lot of Agile practitioners are very much against the idea of a fixed thing. But what I'm seeing, I, I'm seeing in the market, honestly, is that a lot of the baseline of Agile seems to be set. And you have groups out there that are fundamentally producing what is the equivalent of a body of knowledge anyway, like PMI, of course, um, but even SAFE, and to a lesser extent, something like the Scrum Guide, which Mm -hmm. is certainly much more lightweight than your traditional Bach, but it serves many of the same purposes. So, you know, I, I think really we're seeing a certain level of stability about what Agile is that would make it possible to build such a thing if people wanted it, which is, of course, a question all to itself. Right. Good point. So Agile really kind of has hit a a place where it's, you know, really well understood. I know there was a conference uh, that started, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago and used to be big crowds. And over the years, of course, it gets smaller and smaller as more people have a greater understanding. Um so, uh, and again, I had also mentioned I was talking to a guy just yesterday who was saying that things like this are like a Bach is on a fault line of old ways of doing things and new ways of doing things. So, you know, his argument was that if you have this book and this is how you have to do things by the book, it kind of holds back innovation and things of that nature. Uh, So uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that as well. All right. Well, I would say honestly that the guy you're talking to has a point. So for the, the audience, People in the audience probably don't know my name, but I actually led the development of the business analysis body of knowledge uh, for quite a long time, from around 2006 to 2015. And I would say that as building it was a big help to the community, it started to standardize you know, what they should learn, push the level of practice a little bit higher because it, st- it did define that baseline. But at the same time, over the last five years, I'm seeing a world where business analysis needs to evolve and it's still kind of stuck on the work we did in, you know, the early the early teens and is not evolving because the Bach is still considered that standard. And I think without that, unless you have that willingness to revisit and break what you did before to make sure it's still current, you're gonna get to that point where you know, it starts to be a holdback to innovation and improvement. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Uh, Bob, so I'm wondering, uh, I'd like to hear uh, your perspective on this. Uh, I know uh, in the exchange that you guys had had on the web, it was kind of a little, uh, a, a little kind of a flip remark, but uh, I, I know that you don't exactly see things the same way as Kevin. So, so what's your take? I mean, I, in simple terms, I, I don't think, and I'm, I'm reacting to box as being static things. So I've heard that Kevin mm -hmm. talk about that. And my experience with, with box bodies of knowledge is they're large things. Uh, I don't know. Kevin probably knows more than I do. Like the, the number of pages in the, uh, the BA box or the number of pages in the pin box, I think in terms of hundreds. So does agile really, so one, the size of it, does agile warrant this huge, huge, I'm exaggerating document. Uh, the scrum guide is actually only 13 pages. The scrum guide has actually moved from 19 pages and it's moving. The next generation of it is going to be 13 pages. So the scrum guide is actually getting smaller with more generative guidance and not prescriptive guidance like do this. So large box, static guidance, uh, telling people to do something. This is how you achieve success. And I'm, I'm pun in cheek, without engaging your brain, follow these steps and you'll get good success. I'd mm -hmm. rather flip it around and get, get thinking people to engage. So that's sort of, I do. Uh, I do. I, I don't see. I'm not saying that box are bad. I'm just saying I don't think they apply to the agile uh, mindset very well. Yeah, uh, those are good points, Bob. So, so let me just ask you: Do you think that these bodies of knowledge help people, or does it hold companies back? That's a great question, Dave. I actually agile aside, forget agile. I I think it. I think they have a net net negative effect in my experience. And it's again, the box have wisdom. And captured. I have this joke when I'm a, I, I'm a software development leader, and I've had leadership, senior leadership roles, and I want to. I don't want to hire developers typically who follow a checklist. Not that checklists are bad, but I don't want to spoon feed them. I want them to be creative. I want them to be thoughtful. I want them. To, I want them to be thinking engineers and have much broader view of success than just implement this code. Give me this use case. Uh, it, the world has changed. And I think box, the, the more instruction we provide, it's counterintuitive, or the more steps or the more size or the more do this, the less good results we get, because it sort of deactivates the responsibility of people to figure it out on their own. That is an excellent point. And from where I sit, these bodies of knowledge uh, you know, maybe great in other industries where things don't change a lot or, you, you know, the, the production is kind of a repetitive uh, situation, you know, building a car or something like that. But software is so fluid and the methods we use change and the languages we use change and the goals change and the architectures change. You know, if you're not staying on top of this thing and updating it, you know, every year or so, it, it seems to me that it becomes obsolete after a while. I would dis I wouldn't disagree. Uh, I mean, the closest thing to an agile box that I've seen. And again, if we're talking about a twenty-page agile box, I have this assumption that it's this huge, weighty thing. But if it's tight and agile and very generative, then then bring it on. But I don't think that's what we're talking about. Someone took a stab at writing a Scrum box outside of the the uh, what thirteen pages, nineteen, thirteen pages of the Scrum guide. Uh, a company. Um, and they wrote their own Bach. And it was like it was like the kitchen sink of all advice. And it turned out to be, it was, but its focus was Scrum, Agile Scrum, 
and it was and it's I think around 360 pages of guidance and and they're and they go all over the place it's not just scrum but they talk about tactics and tools and techniques and it's this static snapshot and I right. just don't think that nature is helping mm-hmm. yeah and when you're talking about innovation if you're just giving people you know a roadmap it's one thing like you said a light version but uh, uh, again a big tome that's prescriptive to me would seem to hold back innovation now it doesn't i'm not it's not the box fault let me be clear right okay. it's a combination of heavy heavyweight descriptiveness rules and regulations and mm-hmm. then people mailing it in nothing the box is not making someone mail it in and just follow right. the rules right. right it's that combination of i'm a little bit lazy on this side I'll use lazy, right? I'm a little bit lazy and it's easy for me to follow the Bach. Well, if I remove the Bach, that forces me to start figuring some designs and and what, what the customer really needs and things like that out. Right. So Kevin, as you said, you've created uh, uh, this uh, body of knowledge for business uh, architecture. And um, so, so what are your thoughts on some of that in terms of, you know, do these things kind of handcuff uh, development teams a little bit or or disincentivize innovation or thinking outside of the box, so to speak? So, you know, with the business analysis body of knowledge, what I found was that a lot of business analysts were kind of like, you know, every problem looks like a nail, you know, I have, I know how to use a hammer. Every problem looks like a nail kind of people. They would use one method of approaching requirements for every situation. And what we really tried to do was to get them to know that there are other tools in the tool chest, right? That there are other things they could do. But you know what? I would have to agree with Bob on a more the more generative nature of what would make for a really solid thing. If I had to go back and do it over again and do a version four, I would actually try to streamline the current, I don't know, 500-page document significantly and bring it down to key principles because as Bob says, right, and I 100% agree with him, what you need is to get people to think for themselves and actually look at the problem they're trying to solve and, you know, pull out the right set of tools and the right kind of methods to approach the particular problem they're facing, not, you know, go back to a checklist of, well, this is what I do every time I face, I do something, right? Mm-hmm. I feel that one of the things I see it with BA education is that the focus is more and more on studying the BA Bach and memorizing it rather than actually learning how to do the job, which is kind of the opposite of where I would have liked to see things go. But, you know, to other people, it was probably somewhat predictable, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, again, I mean, to me, the, the, the question is, you know, can something like this uh, be an effective tool for software development, given the amount of change that's going on, you know, in that industry. Yeah. And I, you know, Bob mentioned the Scrum Guide. And honestly, I've been through like some Scrum certification process. And that actually is not a bad model if you can get it down to that kind of thing. Right. Because what right. I found with the Scrum Guide is that you can, you know, it sets out the principles. And then the question you have to learn is how do I apply this principle in this situation? Why is that a principle? Which the Scrum Guide is actually pretty good about you know mm-hmm. i mean people have their arguments and debates with scrum whether or not it's the best tool for every situation and that's fine and 
a good thing to be having. There should be debate, right? But with Scrum, mm-hmm. I know I know what all the pieces are, and I know why they put them in there. <laughs> Right. Right. And that gives me that would give me the tools in the real world situation to say, okay, is this practice applicable? Is this a good practice for my situation? Yes or no. And that really is, I think, a good goal for a body of knowledge to strive towards is to create that familiarity with tools and approaches and help people think through their problems rather than simply memorize a whole chunk of information. Excellent. Uh, well, all right, guys. Uh, listen, I appreciate your time today. Interesting conversation. Um, certainly, uh, you know, gives folks uh, things to think about in terms of these bodies of knowledge and how they can be applicable to what they're doing. So, uh, Kevin and Bob, thanks for being with us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Now, folks, and uh, for our listeners, until next time, so long for now. <laughs>